0: Turn with me in your Bibles to um, the book of John, John chapter 8, but don't get comfortable there um, because we're going to be jumping all around. So uh, John 8, we're going to begin reading in verse 31. I know your your, uh, bulletin says 39. We're going to begin reading in 31 and we'll go through 47. John 8, verse 31 through 47. Listen with me to God's word. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They'd answered him, we're offspring of Abraham and never have been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did you were doing the works of your, your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is God's word. So today we're in our second sermon in our topical series on on, on speech. And today we're thinking about, obviously, as you can tell by the readings and the, the, the prayers, we're thinking about telling the truth, why we should tell the truth. The first thing I think it's important for us to understand when we're thinking about telling the truth is that God is truth. We've already heard um, Pastor Larry talk about the Lord's attributes as God is truth, God is truthful. Well, let's take a look for a minute at some of other God's, uh, some of God's other attributes. God is infinite. He's self-existing. He's without origin. He was created by no one and exi- has existed forever. God is immutable, means he never changes. Malachi three six, I the Lord do not change. So, according to Pastor Sam Storms, what all this means very simply. Is that God is dependable? Our trust in Him is therefore a confident trust, for we know that He will not, indeed cannot, change. His purposes are unfailing, His promises unassailable. We also see that God is omnipotent, meaning God is all powerful. What He says will come to pass. He is never limited by circumstances. He never says, well, if it was up to me, this is what I would do. It is up to him. And so we can trust what he says to be true. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. God is omniscient, meaning God is all-knowing. God is never caught off guard. God not only knows what will happen, but he also knows what would have happened had, something, had, some, had we done something different. And so because God knows all things, he can be trusted as truthful. Similarly, God is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere. Jeremiah 29, 23, and 24, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far, uh, far off, Can man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? So God is never not in the know. Finally, God is all wise. The word here for all wise is omnisapient. However, when I was in seminary, I tried to use omnisapient in a paper, and the grader wrote... No one uses that word. Don't ever say that word ever again. Say all, uh, all wise. And so God is all wise. This means that God not only knows all facts, but he knows how all things work together. So when God says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, we can trust him when he says that. We can trust him with the truth and we can also trust him in his care for us. In the trust that he will use all things for our good. So God doesn't give us needless, needless truth. He tells us exactly what we need to hear. And so when we examine just a few of these things about God's attributes, we can see that not only God is truthful, but we can have a deep abiding confidence in his truth. In fact, Isaiah refers to God in Isaiah 65, 16 as the God of truth, the one true God. And so if God embodies all truth, the writer to Hebrews in Hebrews six eighteen tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. And it's important to the gospel writer John For us to realize that this doesn't just apply to the Father. Like Father, like Son. Jesus refers to himself in John 14, 46 as I am the way, the truth, and the life. And likewise the Spirit. In John 16, 13, John refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And the Son and the Spirit speak truth, because that's what they hear the Father speak. Again, John sixteen thirteen. the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, that's what he speaks. And Jesus does not speak of his own, on his own authority either. But the Father himself has given him a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And what he says, therefore, is what the Father has told him. What we see in John 12, 49 and 50. And so we know that God is a speaking God. We've already seen that God created all things by his mouth. And he created mankind also by the word of his mouth. Let us make man in our Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in our image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God not only created by his word, but we read in Hebrews 1.3 that God sustains all things. Jesus all stains, sustains all things by the power of his word. And so God's image bearer, man, was to steward over all creation by hearing and obeying all that God says. But the enemy, the father of lies as we read in John 8:44, Tempted Eve by challenging the truth of God's word and by twisting it and casting doubt upon it. By saying, look, did God really say that you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You won't die, no, really what's happening. Instead, your eyes will be opened so that you will know good and evil. You will be like God, you'll know good and evil. And so Eve, thinking, well, this must be a good thing. After all, we're created in God's image, so it would be good to be like God. And so she looked with her eyes instead of believing God with her ears. And she saw that the tree was good for knowledge, and she ate of it and gave some to Adam, and he ate as well. And so sin entered the world The creation was subjected to futility, and man was cast away from God's presence, and all of mankind was enslaved in bondage to sin. But God graciously did not silently leave man in that state of bondage. Once again, God spoke, this time to a man named Abram. And God commanded him to leave his country and his kindred and go to a land that the Lord would show him and, from, and that from him, God would make for himself a new people, a new family, an, uh, a new nation, a family of God. And even though Abram and his wife Sarai were advanced in years, they believed God and obeyed. And God proved himself true to them. Not only by giving Abraham and Sarah many children in their old age, but by creating a family of believers founded upon that promise. And we read that all who hear God's truth, who believe it and respond to it, are part of this new creation. We are the children of that same promise. This promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In John's gospel, Jesus is referred to as the word of truth, the true light that has come into this world of darkness. And all who received him, that is, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so also we once were in bondage to sin, but we have been set free. How? John 8, 32 tells us, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth has set us free from the father of lies, from the lies of the father of lies, the devil. For we know the shepherd's voice, and we follow and we believe him. And so God's people are not only characterized by those who have heard, believed, and responded to the truth, but God's people are also characterized by those who speak the truth. 2 Corinthians 4.13, I believed and so I spoke. So why should we tell the truth? Why should we tell the truth? Well, for one reason, is it's our nature. It is our new nature to tell the truth. Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We were sealed. We are given a new spirit according to the promise of Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, where Ezekiel, uh, God says through Ezekiel, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from you, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. So as we thought about last week, we are new. We, uh, uh, definitive change is taking place. And so therefore, if that is true, as we saw last week in Colossians 3, 9, and 10, do not lie to one another then, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so Paul does a good job here in Colossians 3 of showing us, hey, this isn't so, just some choice that you make. No, this is a true change in you that has occurred. It's become part of your nature. And so the actions and words that follow from that change aren't some, just some choice that you've decided to take on. But no, you're truly a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, Second Corinthians 5.17. Seals, why do, why do seals swim? They can walk on the land, they breathe on the land. So why do they spend so much time swimming? It's their nature, it's just What seals do. The same with us, what's our nature? Our nature is to tell the truth because we're from God. But while, it's natu- while it is a natural thing, there's also a volitional aspect to it. So we should tell the truth because we, it shows to whom we belong. We should tell the truth because we want to do it. It's in the seal's nature to swim, but the seal loves to swim. They couldn't imagine not doing it. They want to do it. And so we can't imagine not telling the truth. We want to tell the truth. I've seen people around here carrying, showing up with their Astros gear, or their Texans gear, or their Cowboys cup. Why do you do that? Because you want to show what team you root for. You want to show to whom you belong, and so you want to give evidence of that. And if you want to give evidence that you are a believer, what would you do? You tell the truth. Again, John eight forty four. At one time, your will was to do your father's desires, your old father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is not truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But now you speak out of a new character. And so your will is to do your true father's desires. You desire to tell the truth which gives evidence of your family's heritage. Another we reason we should tell the truth is because it glorifies God. Specifically, we glorify God when we tell the truth about God. We're praising him. When we have a prayer of adoration, Pastor Larry gave a wonderful prayer of adoration. You know what that whole prayer was consistent, uh, consisted of? Pastor Larry telling the truth about God. All he did, we endeavor in that prayer is to do nothing but tell the truth about God. That's all we want to do. If it's not something that relates to us telling the truth about God, then we don't want it in that prayer. It's a prayer of adoration. We want to tell the truth about him. We glorify God also when we tell the truth about ourselves. We glorify God when we confess sin about ourselves. I'm reminded of Joshua 7,19 and 20. You may want to turn there. If not, you can listen. Joshua seven, 19 and 20. Page is it page 182 and uh, 183. Joshua 7, 19 and 20. You may remember Israel comes into the promised land. Things are going great. Victory, 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 victory. And they go to Ai and all of a sudden they're routed and nobody knows what happened. And God tells Joshua, you may want to check your people. And so they realize that sin is in the midst of Israel. And so they cast lots and they go from tribe to tribe to family to uh to household and the lot finally ends up on a man named Achan who had taken some things taken the spoils of the land look at verse 719 remember what we're talking about here is we glorify God when we confess sin 719 then Joshua said to Achan my son Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. How does he give glory and give praise? And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. We give glory to God when we confess our sin. This is counterintuitive. How many controversies and difficulties and heartaches have we seen in evangelical Christianity and even in our own denomination, where we have sought to cover up our sin or denied it only to have it come out and then we're defensive about it and try to divert attention away from it. Somehow thinking that we're protecting the image of God and the purity of the church by not confessing our sin, by not being honest and forthright, truthful about our sin. When we do that, John 1, 8 and 9, uh, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 tells us if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we believe that truth about God, that he is actually displaying faithfulness and justice to us when we confess our sin to him, that truth should translate into us speaking the truth about our sin. For we are confident to know if God has said that I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, then I believe that and so therefore I believe and so I wanna speak, I wanna speak the gospel, I wanna speak the truth about my sin because I believe God is truthful. We glorify God when we don't pull any punches about our sin. If I'm caught in a lie, admit that I lied. Don't say, "Ah, I may have misled some people." You may have been led, I'm you may have been led to believe something that's not true. And if you were misled by what I said, then I am I'm sorry for that. As J.I. Packer once said, a half truth masquerading as a whole truth becomes a complete untruth. When I am not truthful about my sin, I make God out to be a liar. While I may be professing to do it to protect God's image, while I may be doing that, we've seen that God is glorified when we confess our sin, and he displays his faithfulness and justice in our confession, in our true speaking of our own ways. If I am not truthful about my sin, I'm only protecting my image. And the truth of God is not in me. We also glorify God when we tell the truth about God in a dark world. The truth is a voice in the wilderness. The truth is a light in a dark place. The truth is healing to a broken person. Which brings up another issue related to this. We're wrong if we think that the best way to care for someone rather than telling the truth is to flatter them. Flattery is excessive or insincere praise. But flattery can also be telling someone what they want to hear and making them comfortable in their error. Faithful are the words of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 27, 6. If a doctor runs a test on a friend who's a patient and she determines that the friend has cancer, It's not loving for the doctor to call the friend in and go, cancer schmancer, get out of here, you're fine. No worries, come on, go live life, don't worry about it. No, you have something severely wrong with you. And this is the solution and here are the steps. The same way with a Christian brother or sister. I love you and I need to tell you something. You are in sin. Here is the truth. But the second half of that truth is that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you will confess it and repent. Truth telling extends beyond not just telling lies, but we cannot tell the truth by keeping silent. We can sin, not just by lying, but we can sin by not telling the truth also. Yes, there will be times when we're called to speak up in oppositional places. Our speaking the truth will not be welcomed, nor will it be invited. But darkness does not invite light. Light invades darkness. Abram did not invite God into May, uh, to make a covenant with him God interrupted Abram in his sin we are commanded to speak up and to defend rights the rights of the victim and the accused and so not speaking up is sinful Leviticus 5 1 if anyone sins and that he hears a public adjuration to testify and though he is a witness whether he has seen or come to know the matter yet does not speak he shall bear his iniquity Yes, this could cause us detriment. And we could lose friends and we could lose popularity over it. But if we, speak to seek, if we seek to speak nothing but the truth, we can take comfort in God's words, Jesus' words in Luke 10, where he says, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Finally, in this glorifying God through speaking the truth, we glorify God when we tell the truth to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We glorify God when we tell the truth to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to rebuke. We're called to admonish. We're called to correct. We're called to encourage one another with the truth. And we're called to speak the truth of the gospel to one another. And so if I see something positive in your life, An evidence of grace? I should be willing to speak up and encourage you with it, no matter how small it is. Because this is my joy. This is what I want to do. I want to speak the truth. I want to encourage. Which leads to the next point. Why should we speak the truth of God to one another? Because telling the truth is God's plan for sanctification and for building his kingdom. Jesus prayed in John 17, saying 17, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. We are sanctified by hearing the truth. And as we read in our New Testament reading from Ephesians 4, the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? The work of the ministry is not that the elders and the deacons go out and do ministry during the week. And then we all powwow back here on Sunday and we report back to you on how it went during the week. That's not the point here. What the point is preparing each other for the work of ministry is speaking the truth in love. That is the work of ministry, speaking the truth in love. And we saw in, in, in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, that by speaking the truth in love over time, We're no longer tossed to and fro by the waves of doctrine and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. But we mature. We grow up. How? We grow up, verse 15 says, in every way. How do we grow up? In every way. Every way imaginable, that's how you grow. Through speaking the truth to one another. We grow up more, we grow more up in Christ. We draw closer to Him. We draw closer to one another. We submit more to Christ. We look more like Christ. We become stronger, building up one another in love. We encourage one another in looking more like Jesus. Which leads to our last point How should we tell the truth? How should we tell the truth? This how should we tell the truth comes from that. Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love. How should we tell the truth? We should speak the truth. We should tell the truth confidently. We should tell the truth confidently. It's interesting, this week, uh, if you Google why you should speak the truth, about four or five entries on the first page will say, tell you how it, why it's so important for you to speak your truth to other people why it's so important to speak your truth to other people. But I can't speak my truth confidently because my truth may change a week from now. What I thought was true yesterday may not be true tomorrow. And so that causes me to doubt what I knew yesterday And so I don't know if it's true, I believe it to be true, but I don't know that it's true. And so if I'm going out there confident, I can't confidently, in my right mind, I can't confidently speak my truth. But we can confidently speak because we looked at God's attributes. We can confidently speak the truth, for there is only one truth and it is God's truth. The truth is the same in the first century uh, AD as it is in 2021. The truth is the same in sub-Saharan Africa as it is in Spring, Texas. The truth is the same for the richest person on Wall Street and the poorest beggar on 1960. We can speak confidently about the character of God. We can speak confidently about our sin about the penalties for that sin, about the hope of grace and mercy in our Lord Jesus Christ. 92 times in the New Testament is the word truly used. Truly I say to you, truly, this shall truly be so. Truly, truly. We should also speak the truth confidently because we know that we are proclaiming a word that we have heard from the Father through his word, through this word, if it's in the Bible, we can confidently speak to it. But if we should tell the truth confidently, but we should also tell the truth carefully. Our preferences and attitudes, which can be implications and practices and, 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 uh, and, um, um, and practices that come extend from the truth in our own homes and lives are not the truth. We may have something, because of this, this is what we do in our family. But we can't just say, so therefore you must do it in your family. Now that's an implication of the truth, but that's not the truth. So we must be careful not to go beyond the truth, endeavoring to speak the truth to one another. We must be careful not to attempt to win people over to our personal preferences or worldly wisdom. As our... um, as uh, Pastor Kyle read in our um, uh, call to worship this morning. But rather, we should speak the truth to them about their circumstances, to one another about their circumstances, and about the character of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And then further on down in that paragraph in in 1 Corinthians 2.13, and we impart words not taught by human wisdom, not taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So we've seen that we should speak the word, the truth, confidently, and we should speak the word, the truth, carefully. But we should also speak the truth compassionately, Ephesians 4:15 Speaking the truth in love. We just mentioned that we should speak confidently, but that doesn't mean that we should speak without consideration for our brother and sister. We should look to Jesus and learn from his disposition and how he spoke to others. Sure, he overturned some tables, but that's a rare occurrence for Jesus. For most part, he spoke peace peacefully in compassionately while saying some incredibly earth-shattering and very hard things to his list for his listener to hear. Think about Jesus' interaction with the uh, rich young ruler. Now, we don't really think about it, but the rich young ruler is probably one of the more arrogant people in the Gospels. Anyone who says, yep, yeah, check, all of this I've done since... I was a young boy since my youth. If someone is begging to be put in their place, the rich young ruler is begging to be put in his place. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him and said, there is one thing you lack. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Speaking compassionately with someone doesn't mean that you can't decode it or it doesn't mean that you tell them a half-truth. Our purpose and goal for speaking the truth to them is so that they may hear the truth and they may find the faithful mercy and grace of forgiveness in Christ. But if we use the truth in a condescending way, we're not speaking the truth in love. Instead, we're using the truth as a billy club for our own enjoyment. The truths that we are called to share with one another are often very hard things to hear. And so we want to make sure that we give our hearer every opportunity to respond to that truth. So we want to speak it lovingly, so that if they object, the offending thing is the truth itself and not the manner or attitude in which I spoke it. We speak the truth to one another out of concern for our brother and sister, or our friend and out of reverence to God we speak urgently though compassionately remember at the end of James where it says the judge is at the door he's he's here he's ready this is coming so we don't want to speak the truth to them that we may be proven right we want to speak the truth to them knowing that judgment is coming and we want them to be right with God The anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. We want to be heard. After all, we have been set free by the truth. And therefore, we want a friend in front of us to be set free from whatever has them in bondage. And that freedom comes through the truth. And they may not hear that truth from anybody else except you. And Ephesians 4.29 tells us to speak to one another in ways that it might benefit those who listen. Speak to one another in ways that it might benefit those who listen. When someone hears of their state before the Lord, that can be a very frightening and threatening thing. We want them to be convicted. We want them to feel the threat of the path that they're on. But we also want them to know that they have not out the mercy of Christ. So we want to think, okay, if this were reversed, how would I best receive this message? We know that God's people respond to the truth. And so we want to make every effort to not get in the way of God's truth. We want God to have his way with their heart through his truth whether it be in conviction of sin or in comfort, which leads to the last way we should speak truth. We've talked about uh, confidently, uh, carefully, compassionately, and finally, consistently. We not only want to be known as truth-tellers, we want to be found to be truth-tellers. This is especially true in the workplace and in the home In the workplace, you're often associating with people who are not believers, and they may very well know that you are. And what they see in you is a picture, an idea that of all they may know of Christ are you a truth teller? Are you honest? Are you a self promoter? Are you a flatterer? Are you kind and compassionate? Do you confess your sin and your failings before those at your work? All of this lays your foundation as a truthful person. If you are, you will one day be asked to give an account for the hope that you have. And so we must be prepared for that day. And even today, even tomorrow morning, you are building a foundation of credibility for that day. If you display the grace and peace of Christ, even in your failures, this commends the gospel as true to the unbeliever. In your home, your family sees your warts and all. Do they know you as a truthful person? Do you confess your sins and ask for forgiveness? Do you seek your own ways and power over speaking the truth and love? Does your relationship with your spouse convey your commitment to the truth? Your children show their devotion to the Lord by obeying you. If you're inconsistent in telling the truth about your sin, then you are exasperating your children. It's a very difficult thing for a child to submit to a parent who is inconsistent and untruthful and unloving. They're still required to do it, but you make obeying the Lord for them very problematic. Now, you may feel that you've heard some, help, heard some helpful things today, but as you've been thinking through your mind and rifling through your conversations, you really think, eh, this sermon's probably for someone else. Is telling the truth a problem for you? At first glance, you may not think so. But it's possible that the biggest challenge you have in life in telling the truth is, this situa- is in situations where you really don't have any kind of threat at all of getting caught. What would that be? How are you with telling the truth to yourself? These can be the most harmful lies because unless we're vigilant, those lies go unchecked. Do you tell the truth to yourself about God? About his character? About his sacrifice? About his love for you and his disposition toward you? About his care for you? Or do you speak and believe a lie that God is fed up with you and really close to just pulling the plug on your salvation? Or maybe do you just believe none of this applies to me because God was so done with me so long ago. I'm finished. A bruised reed he will not break. In a smoldering wick, he will not quench. Do you tell the truth about yourself to yourself? Are you too hard on yourself, discouraged by your ever-present sin? Or are you constantly making excuses for your sinful behavior, justifying it or trivializing it? Both are lies. Both of them are lies if we say we have not sinned we lie and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness do you tell the truth about others to yourself do you assign motive and imagine what goes on behind closed doors or when your back is turned you allow animosity to build up in your spirit simply by listening to the lies that you speak to yourself. Stop listening to the lies of your old father. Stop giving him access to your mind and your heart. Stop believing him. You died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. Do not lie to one another, nor to yourself, seeing that you have put away the old practices, old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in knowledge after the image of its creator. Brothers and sisters, speak the truth. Speak the truth about God. Speak the truth about yourself. Speak the truth about one another. This is how God builds his kingdom. And this is how God is glorified in this dark world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you please give us insight into our own hearts and minds would you tune our ears to the voice of the shepherd would you please drown out the lies of our old father may we not return his phone calls any longer Please, Father, help us. We can pray this prayer because we have read that Jesus, our good shepherd, looked on them and had compassion on them for they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Father, we as your sheep are helpless and harassed sheep we're sorry. We ask you to forgive us of our many sins, and we cling to you. Thank you that you protect us from the lies of the evil one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.